Well, praise God. Uh, we're, we're finishing up this series on joining God. And uh, today I just want to share with you about the key component about joining God, and that's faith-filled actions. I remember in my own life, and uh, there's a lot of times when God has asked me to do something that I didn't feel too comfortable about. I remember one of my assignments that he had got, given me when I first went into ministry. I was only like 23 years old, fresh out of Bible college, and then I had to go into a inner city teen youth group and teach uh, young teenagers. And I was shaking in my boots. I mean, I was intimidated. I was fearful. I was nervous about it because here's this kid that grew up in the suburbs and I'm going in the inner city and what are these people going to, you know, what are the, am I going to be able to connect with people? And I remember praying about that and thinking about it. And uh, I was so, you know, kind of full of anxiety, but I went ahead and did it anyway. And, you know, sometimes that's what happens. That's what faith-filled risks are or faith-filled actions. Even if you don't feel comfortable, you go ahead and do it. And a lot of times, and I remember that class. I don't even remember what I taught on. It wasn't a very good lesson at all. But uh, I, I kind of stumbled my way through it. But at the end, we played a little bit of basketball together. Uh, and uh, I began to build relationships with some of those young uh, teenagers. And till, still today, I still uh, know some of them. And we talk uh, through Facebook or through email at times. But at that moment, if I would have went with my own gut feeling of fear and anxiety, I probably wouldn't have went, stepped into that classroom. And so there's times in your life when you're going to find that God is going to ask you and give you assignment or invite you to join him in doing something. And it doesn't feel that comfortable, but you know that it's God that is leading you and guiding you to do that. And when you take that faith-filled action or make that decision, it's there that you're going to encounter the power and the love of God that maybe you have not encountered or, in, or, or experienced yet. So a lot of times people say, you know, I, don't, I just don't get this God thing. And a lot of times it's because we're not making decisions faith-filled decisions or taking faith-filled actions and we're missing out on what God wants for us. So today we're going to talk about joining God and about taking faith-filled actions. But I just want to give you a little bit of review because this is the last in the series of messages. Do you remember the first message we talked about was God is always at work around us. He's always doing something. He's always pursuing, like we sang about, he's pursuing a love relationship with us. And that was the second lesson, that he is at work around us and he's pursuing a love relationship with people around us as well. And there's sometimes that God wants to use you to tell somebody else about the love of God. And he's asking you to join him in that. Well, God, the third thing we, we, we talked about was God invites you to join him in this work of pursuing people with the love of God and sharing the love of God with them. And then the fourth thing that we talked about was God speaks to us through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, and through his church and his people. So God does that work in us and he speaks to us while we're doing it. So 
God has the ability to speak to us in many different ways, but usually it's through his word. It's times when we're in prayer or in his presence like we were right now in a worship time. God can speak to you through the songs. He can speak to you in your heart, through your thoughts. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it's an open door, an opportunity that comes your way. Somebody invites you on a missions trip and uh, you have a decision to make. Am I going to do what God wants me to do or is this door open for me? And then sometimes God speaks through his church or his people. So you may have a friend or you may know a pastor or a leader or uh, somebody that knows the Lord and God is using them to speak to you. And then the fifth thing we talked about was we have to listen to him. Now that's the key part. We have to listen. We have to comprehend what God is saying to us. And now today we're going to talk about taking the faith-filled action. Uh, do we have this up? Is it up and running? No go. Okay, so I'm just going to have to preach to you. You're going to have to imagine this. The first point I wanted to make was everyone who wants to join God in his kingdom work will need to make faithful decisions that lead to faithful actions. If you want to be used by God, if you want to be a part of his kingdom, if you want to have an intimate relationship with him, then everyone who wants to join in God's kingdom work will need to make faithful decisions. And you may say, well, I just don't have enough faith. You have faith. The Bible says that God has given everybody a portion of faith. Your faith is near you. It's in your heart. It's uh, just waiting for you to act on that faith. So everybody, the Bible says, has faith. Now, it's what do we have faith in? If we have faith in ourselves, then we're going to be limited in our ability. If we have our faith, as our object is the Lord Jesus Christ, then he has unlimited ability to work in our lives. I remember going on one of my first, first time uh, I went on a missions trip overseas and uh, had an opportunity to go to Ukraine. And I, I don't speak Russian. Um, I was in a different uh, country and they asked me to bring my guitar and sing. And uh, I, I, you know, I do sing and I do write songs and so, I said, okay, I'll bring my guitar, I'll sing, but I don't know if people are going to be able to relate to my songs because it's going to be in English and, and everything like that. And then we got invited to a Ukrainian prison. And it was the first time anybody had been invited into that prison. And so I'm going, oh, wow, this is like, you know, man, this is like an opportunity, but this is like an overwhelming opportunity. And, and again, those fears started coming again, you know, that anxiety, you know, you got to do this, do this for the Lord. And I started to have this fear and trepidation in my heart. And so it, uh, the message came, and then it was my turn to sing. And then we gave an altar call, you know, like that means you call people forward if they want to receive Jesus Christ into their life. And it was amazing. We had about 150 prisoners, and most of them came forward to receive Christ. It was an amazing time. But if, again, if I would have went by my feelings or what the circumstances were telling me, I would have never went forward and did that. I would have never been able to experience the joy of seeing God work in other people's lives. And so everyone who wants to join God in his kingdom work will need to make faith-filled decisions that lead to faith-filled actions. 
And so today we're talking about this guy in 2 Chronicles 20. I'm sure you read this this week already. How many people have been reading 2 Chronicles? Not too many, right? It's not somebody that you all, some book of the Bible that you always read, but 2 Chronicles talks about the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. And there were some good kings and there were some bad kings. And Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was uh, descended from David. And his uh, great-great-great-grandfather was Solomon. And so there was four generations of people there. And um, so Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, and you can turn to it if you want to, if you have your Bible or if you have it on an app. Uh, or it's up here, okay. All right, and it's up here too, okay. So, uh, <laughs> so 2 Chronicles 20 says, after this, so what, what I wanted to say was, and I can shut this off, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was going to say about this was this, that Jehoshaphat was a good king. And a lot of the people of Judah at that time were worshiping idols. And this was always a problem with the people of God. They would follow God for a little while, but then their hearts would be captured by the other gods that other people were worshiping. And they did this because they wanted good fortune or good luck, and so they would go after these other false gods, and they would sacrifice to them. And sometimes it got so bad that they'd even sacrifice their children if the priests of this idol uh, required it. And so God said, man, that, this is the wrong thing to do. And so Jehoshaphat, reading the scripture, understood this, so he started to tear down the idols. When he became the king, his father was not a good king, but when he became the king, he began to tear down the idols. And he tore down the idols, and he asked people to come back to the temple and worship. Go back to church, is what he was basically saying. I want you to come back and worship the one true God. And what this happened is it caused a revival. People started to do it. They started to actually have a desire to want to worship God and follow God. And things began to change in their life and in their community and in their country. But then just as this happens, like so often happens even in our own lives, once you start stepping forward for God, there begins to be a spiritual battle or something uh, difficult happens. And so this is where we pick it up in uh, 2 Chronicles 20. Verses 1 and 2. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Menunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So three countries against one little country of Judah. There was two little tribes. There was Judah and Benjamin. They, they made up the uh, country of Judah. And some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea, and it is already in Hazaron Tamar, that is in Gedi. And so it's already coming up through and they're going to be here soon. What are you going to do? And so Jehoshaphat, the Bible says, well, what would you do? What would you do if you were Jehoshaphat and you had a little army and um, you had said you were trusting in God? Well, this is what Jehoshaphat does. Alarm Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. So he got alarmed. He heard the alarm. He heard that there was something going on here. You know, we're, we've been studying our Sunday school. We've been talking about aha moments, the awakening moment. 
when God begins to speak into your life and you be awakened to what he's saying. For Jehoshaphat, he was alarmed. He was awakened. He didn't hit the snooze button then, but what he did is he started to pursue after God. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and that's the first step in a faith-filled action. Start to pray. Take the situation that you're in right now. Have you prayed about it? And what Jehoshaphat did, he's got other people to pray for him too. He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And what Jehoshaphat was doing was, was recalling back what Solomon had done and said about what people could do if they were in trouble. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. And so Jehoshaphat was taking the word of God and applying it to his situation in his life. Now this verse was written probably a hundred years before Jehoshaphat was alive. But he took it as God's promise to him and he proclaimed a fast and people began to pray and God began to work. Faith-filled actions always come primarily from the word of God. They'll give you guidance and direction for your life so that you know the next step to take. But the next step, I want to tell you, is going to take faith. It's going to come against your fears. It's going to come against your anxieties. Or it's going to come against your uh, indifference. And God's going to say, step up. Stop procrastinating. Take a faith-filled risk. Take a faith-filled action. Make a faith-filled decision. And so Jehoshaphat began to pray, and it's recorded everything that he prays here. He's praying that God would come in and do a work. But I'm, I'm going to pick it up at verse, um, uh, verse 12, I think it is, 12 and 13. And Jehoshaphat is praying, God, will you not judge them? There's these three armies that are coming against them. It's not any three armies, Lord. It's the people that we didn't attack. When we had an opportunity to attack them, we didn't attack them. You told us not to. But these are the same three countries that are now coming to attack us. Have you ever let somebody off the hook and then they take advantage of you? And then <laughs> you say, why is this person doing this? But God was in sovereign. And so, so Jehoshaphat is saying, Lord, you judge them. For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a, what a great prayer. Our eyes are on you, Lord. But our eyes are on you. It's not on this vast army. It's not on our problem. It's not on another person. But our eyes are are on you. Praise God. Praise God. You know, it's great to see Michael back here with us. Let's everybody give him a hand here. He's out of the hospital. Michael, we are just praying for you today. We're just praying for you. Praise God. Good to have you back here. I miss you. Okay. I'll give you that. <laughs> so we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. 
All the men of Judah with their wives and their children and their little ones stood there before the Lord. What they did was they came to a situation that was overwhelming and they couldn't uh, handle it. This vast, we have no power. We don't know what we're going to do, but our eyes are on you. And you can picture the families that are there, the mothers, the fathers, the little ones, the children, and then infants, the little ones. Our eyes are on you. Who are your eyes on? I hope they're on the Lord. I hope you're looking to God to intervene and to work in your life, and he will do it. The Bible says over and over again, we walk by faith and not by sight. That means we don't look at things naturally. We look at things in accordance with how God is so powerful and able to enter and work into our lives and into the people around us. Ephesians 1.18 says that God can open the eyes of our heart to see how great and how powerful he is. In Hebrews 12.1 it says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author or the pioneer or perfecter of your faith. When you face difficulties, you, f- you fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the situation or the problem. And God is able to then come through for us. But you know, it's going to take action sometimes. It's not just prayer. God is going to then ask you to do something. A lot of times he'll invite you to join him in something that he wants you to do. And uh, there's, a, there's a verse in James that is so powerful because it talks about faith and actions. And it says this, well, without actions our faith is dead. So, so it is with faith, if it's, then it's dead. But someone will say, one person has faith, another has actions. My answer is, show me how anyone can have faith without actions, and I will show you my faith by my actions. But the actions that God often gives us are not the same actions that we normally do. You know, have you ever noticed that? When God invites you into his work or to join him in what he wants you to do, a lot of times he stretches you beyond your ability. You're asking you to do something that is maybe a little bit different than you normally have done. And so for, for me, it was teaching teenagers. I had never done that before. And then I was teaching inner city teenagers and moving my family and, into Newark, New Jersey. And so that was very difficult. But God was in it, and he came through for me. And, and even when I was in that prison, there was still a reason why God had me at that time uh, in 1996 at that prison at that particular time. I mean, I couldn't even imagine ever planning something like that. But that's the amazing plan of God. The amazing way that God works. He'll bring you to places as you follow him. He'll bring you to places, to situations, to people who need to hear a word from the Lord and it'll change their lives. God has the ability to do that. So, you know, this happens throughout the Bible. Uh, It says in Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Think about that. That God is inviting you into a life that he provides the power and the strength to live by. But we have to have faith in him and trust him to bring that about. And when we do that, 
life begins to make more sense. So this is what happens uh, back to our biblical story in, in uh, Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat is looking to the Lord. He's asking God to work. Uh, the Bible says that he, um, he falls down and he begins to pray. And, uh, and then after he prays, the spirit of the Lord comes on Jehaziel. Now Jehaziel, I'm sure you know who this guy is in the Bible, right? You've, uh, I never heard of St. Jehaziel? No. Well, Jehaziel happens to be a descendant of Asaph. So most Bible commentators think that he was a worship leader. He was a Jeff Wong. Okay? So he's this worship leader who happens to be there at that time, and God gives him a word to give to the king. And so some kings, you know, are so proud, they can't hear anything from anybody. But Jehoshaphat, no, he's humbling himself before the Lord. And a lot of times God will speak to you through other people. And Jehaziel, God used him to speak to the people. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. And he says, look it, this is something that's happening right now, but God's in control. He's going to help you. Wow. And so, how do the people respond? Well, the Bible says that they do respond, they do listen to what Jehaziel is saying. And, you know, that's a key part. We talk about that. Listening before you do your action. Because when you hear from God, when God prompts you through the Holy Spirit or through the Word of God or through a circumstance, and then you get it and you know it and you respond, that is where you encounter the power and the love of God. And you see that in the Bible. Even in 1 Samuel when David had to fight Goliath. And we talk about this, you know, we talk about the... Uh, was it the 16th seed beat the number one team, you know, in Virginia? You know, I was watching March Madness. And so, you know, sometimes there are these David and Goliath stories in sports, right? It happens in wartime as well. It happens all over the time. There, there can be a situation where it seems the odds are against you, and yet God comes through. For David and Goliath, that was it. He says, all those who gather here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he'll give you all into our hands. And so, even David understood this principle. And for a Christian, you and I, we need to understand that principle, that if God is for us, who can be against us? So, back to our story. Jehaziel keep, keeps on saying, tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing by the pass of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. And you'll have to fight you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. And the Bible says that after this happened, <coughs> after this word came from the worship leader, Jeff, I mean Jehaziel, that Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah fell down and worshipped before the Lord. 
And it says in verse 18 and 19, um, verse uh, 19, Then some Levites from the Kohites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So this is all happening before the battle. They begin to worship. So maybe Jaziel gets out his guitar and they start to sing. So the word came out. Then there was a song of response. You know, it's interesting. You wonder where we get the idea of a service here. You know, how, do we, how did we come up with, okay, we do singing in the beginning, then we do a message, then we do a song of response. Oh, it's biblical. It's biblical. This is what happens a lot of times in the Bible, that when God is really ready to move, people come together in worship and in prayer first. Then he speaks, and then the people respond with praise and worship to God. And in, that, in those times, that's when God is speaking to you. That's when God is going to be revealing things to you as well, if your heart is open, if you have a listening ear to what God is saying. So I want to encourage you to listen, and then when God speaks, to follow after what he says. Then it says in the Bible that they got together, and so they, you know what the instruction was, go ahead and march out to the three armies that are bigger than you and stronger than you. You go and approach them. So they go through the, I don't know where this passage is, but they, they follow the instructions that God has given them through Jehaziel and through the Lord. It's really the Holy Spirit that's speaking there. And so they do. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of, of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you'll be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Jehoshaphat did not put his greatest fighting men in the front of the battle. He put the praise team there. He put Jeff <laughs> and Nathan, Chris, and the rest of the worship team. They went out first. Maria. They went out and led worship. And as they did, they're singing as they're going into battle. Do you know that some of the faithful action that you need to take is worship? That's your, one of your first steps, is to be in the presence of the Lord and to worship Him. How many times do we do that? Well, I encourage you to do it. Kick on K-Love Radio and start singing on your way to work, you know, on your way to, to school. But, but be in the presence of God and worship Him. And so they kept on this worshiping mode, and they kept on moving forward. On the, and guess what happens? So they get, up to the, they get up to the place of the battle, and the Bible says that the armies, these three armies that were against them, they start to attack each other. They probably had dissension. All right, who's going to attack first? I want to go first. No, I'm going first. Oh, you're going first. You've got to get through me first. 
And so they started to fight each other, and they defeated each other. And when they finally arrived at the area and they looked over the desert of Tekoa, they saw the, all the armies. They were gone. And many of them were dead. They had killed each other. And so what did they do? They kept on worshiping. <laughs> they kept on worshiping. And the, and the Bible says, On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the valley of Baraka to this day. Barak means praise. And so they, they just kept on praising God. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for God had given him rest on every side. You see, God has a way of dealing with the situation and the problems in our life if we'll take faith-filled actions and trust him. And the result is peace. For Jehoshaphat, it was peace against his enemies. And that's what God often does in our own lives. When you take faith-filled actions, people recognize it. It's not you, but it's God working in you. A lot of times people face the most difficult things in their life. And I've always been amazed at this for people that are believers, true believers in Christ. They go through difficult things, very difficult things, with the peace of God in their lives. Now, I'm not saying it's always like that, but quite often it is. The closer that you are to the Lord, the more that you're closer to Him, He begins to work in your life in a way that you can sense His peace and His presence in your life, and it gives you confidence to face whatever you're going through. And this is what Paul was preaching about. This is why the Apostle Paul was able to plant so many churches because he didn't put his faith in his message or his uh, persuasive words. The Bible says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And this is a key point here. You can study the Bible and learn all the different kings and the names of all of them. You could name all the different, you could outline. You know, one of the things that we did when I was first a believer and first in ministry, we had to learn all the books of the Bible and outline them, each one, the main points of them. And you can do all that and have all that knowledge in your head and have that wisdom in your head. But the key part is, what are you going to do about the things that God tells you to do or has led you to do? And then are you willing to take, make a decision and take a faith-filled action about it without procrastinating, without making excuses, but to say, God, I'm your servant. I'm listening. Show me what to do. When God shows you to do it, you go forward and do it. That's when we encounter God and we experience Him in a deeper way. So let me just go over the action steps that you can take. Number one, recognize that your struggles and problems can be an invitation to a God-sized assignment. Now what I mean by this is a God-sized assignment is anything that's bigger than you. Okay? So for me it might be, yours might be a lot bigger. The assignment that you get might be a lot bigger and it might start out small. It might be, teach a Sunday school. No! I'm not going down there with those kids. 
But it may be something else. Maybe go on a missions trip. <coughs> and you say, I have nothing to give. I, I don't know what I'd do there. What would I do on a missions trip? But God may be giving you an opportunity, making an invitation for you to understand him in a deeper way and depend on him in a greater way. The very thing that may be causing you anxiety, God wants you to turn it over to him and get his instructions on what he wants you to do about it. So respond with faith in God and not yourself. And this is a key point. As much as you can, be honest with God. Say, God, I've been relying on myself. I want to turn this over to you. I want to respond to you. I want to respond in faith to you. I want to trust you. Third, take the action that God leads you to take in line with his word. What does his word say? So take the action that's in line with his word. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Don't take an action that is not in line with his word. What do I mean by that? I've heard so many people say, God told me to get a divorce. I don't know if that's in line with his word right now. Have you tried reconciliation? Have you tried counseling? Have you tried marriage counseling? Have you done the steps before that? And then praise God for the ways his love and power will help you. Begin to understand what God is saying to you and then respond to him. See, once you take faith-filled actions, be careful to praise him. Thank him. This is what Jehoshaphat did. This was a key point in this whole story was Jehoshaphat worshipped God and trusted him. So praise God for his love and power. He will help you. Let's pray. Father, we come. We thank you that you are a God who still invites us to join you in your work. And Lord, you're always working around us. Lord, it's no accident that every person here came today to hear this message, to hear these songs that were sung. And Lord, I pray that we would respond to you in faith. What you're telling us to do, whether it's surrendering situation in our own lives, whether it's asking you for healing for an illness, whether you're asking us to trust you for the things that are going to be happening on Monday morning. Father, I pray that you would call us to a deeper faith in you, a deeper trust in you. And Lord, that you would give us the power and the grace to understand that you're at work. So we pray this all in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as Jehaziel leads us, um, Jeff Jehaziel, let's respond to the Lord. Let's respond to the Lord in praise and worship. Let the Lord speak to you. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you up front. But allow God to speak to you.